The Daily Tap is live for Monday. It is July 31st. It's crazy that we are already in August. We're going to talk today about the Brewers and the Braves and why October will be different if they meet. We're also going to discuss where we're at with the deadline, some different storylines, things to pay attention to as we get closer to that date. Then we'll move on to the Packers and wonder if they actually need a veteran tight end not a veteran wide receiver. And then lastly, we'll finish up with a little bit on Marshawn Bochamp balling out at the Washington Pro-Am. Does it mean anything? Can we take anything away from it? We'll get into all that today. Before we get going, you guys know the deal. Tapping the Kaga on Twitter, Tapping the Kaga Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. I just said X for Twitter because I think it's like officially changing. I think it's going to be X on your phone. It's going to be black and white, the whole thing. Uh, which another conversation for another time. Uh, we also are on Facebook under Tapping the Keg Sports as well. Uh, you can subscribe if you are new to the show. Uh, maybe you came in. We had a couple popular TikToks, the Santana reaction, as well as G- Jonathan Garvin getting released on his birthday. Those both did good numbies for us. So maybe you're new to the program. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're wherever else you get your podcast. If you're already subscribed, uh, make sure that you are sending in the group chat. Maybe you're having a conversation about the Brewers and Braves uh, and you want to drop it in or you want to start the conversation. Use my podcast as a conversation starter. That is a hope. That is a dream. I uh, appreciate all of the support. Lessons were good this month. Not as not as strong as uh, June or, or May, but still good uh, and appreciate that support. Uh, it was definitely an improvement from last year. All right, let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and the Atlanta Braves. So this was not a good weekend for the Milwaukee Brewers. This is was the Brewers' worst weekend since getting swept by the Oakland Athletics. Uh, I think we talked about getting swept uh, on Friday's show and said they hadn't gotten swept since that A's series in mid-June. Well, the Brewers got their asses kicked this weekend. Uh, it was a very humbling weekend for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I think the pessimistic fan would say they are nowhere close to the Atlanta Braves and this is just going to be a team that wins that gets to the playoffs but they do absolutely nothing when they get there. I push back on that slightly. I think first we have to understand that the Atlanta Braves are the best team in baseball, right? There is not a team that is better than Atlanta. Uh as my buddy Murph said in a group chat today it was like that's one of the best offenses that I've ever watched in baseball. And I, I tend to agree. I mean, I thought the 2018 Astros were really solid. Yes, we know about all the cheating allegations, but that team was so fucking good. Uh, the Mariners of 1995 is one that I think about. The, well, some of those Yankees teams, when the core four were there, those offenses seemed unstoppable, where it was a guy after guy. It was one through nine, and you're like, how the hell are we going to compete with them? Some of those Braves teams um, in the 90s with the Chipper Jones and the Fred McGriffs the world were really solid there have been great offenses and the Braves are one of them and we do need to treat the Braves like the best team in baseball we need to treat them like they're on another level now are they beatable yeah I I think so I think you can get to the Braves I think the Braves are have some weakness right especially in their pitching staff but I I don't necessarily see a lot of teams that are going to be able to stop them and it'd be foolish to not see the Braves as the NL pennant favorite, but also the World Series favorite. And I th- I have not looked at the futures market. I assume that they are. So I think if you're upset about this sweep, you have to at least remember that this is a really good fucking team and that 
they're going to have hot stretches and they have lost, I think they had lost seven of the first 11 uh, after the All-Star break. And at some point they were going to wake up and unfortunately they woke up against the Milwaukee Brewers. And you have to also keep in mind the starting pitchers that were out there. And this is why we'll start and go into kind of why October is different here. The Brewers starting pitchers this weekend were Adrian Hauser, Julio Tehran, and Colin Wright. No disrespect to any of those guys because all those guys have provided value for the Brewers this season. But those guys are not going to be your starters for games one, two, and three in a series against Atlanta. In a series against Atlanta, you're looking at Brandon or Brandon Woodruff or Corbin Burns getting the ball in game one. Game two would be Burns or Woodruff, likely Woodruff. Game three, probably Wade Miley. In game four, Freddie Peralta, or you'd run it back with Burns. And so that to me right there is enough to say, okay, this team is different, right? That's a different look. The Braves aren't seeing, you know, Tehran and Ray just throw meatballs out there. They're they're seeing the Brewers best. And barring any injuries, Woodruff and Miley will be, you know, two months along. They won't necessarily, they'll, they'll be comfortable again. And this is assuming, obviously, that they come back healthy from their injuries and they don't look like a shell of themselves. That is a really tough pitching staff to deal with. And I think that we are forgetting that as fans and everyone's just throwing dirt on this team. Like it would look entirely different from a pitching perspective for the Milwaukee Brewers. Also, Aaron Ashby could be, could be available. And you don't think Aaron Ashby would start, but he could certainly, you know, be a long man, be somebody, you know, in your bullpen that you could use on a regular basis. For the Braves, you're probably looking at Max Fried. You're looking at Bryce Elder. You're, I, I don't, who would you, would maybe, I don't think it would be Smith Schaefer. I'm trying to think, who would you go, who they, oh, Charlie Morton. Yeah, Charlie Morton would probably be their second starter, then Elder their third in the playoffs, I don't know if they have a four starter. And that's where the Braves might make a move at the deadline to really solidify that starting rotation. Cause it's not, it's it's not one of the best in baseball. And that's that's where you can get him. Oh, Spencer Strider. I forgot Spencer Strider. So really it's Strider, Freed, Morton, Elder is probably your one through four. It's it's pretty solid, right? And the Brewers didn't see Strider. And that, I mean, that's another Argue, counter argument if you're like no Charlie they would still see Strider and that would be a hell of a thing for them to deal with yes very true I do I do also wonder if just the seeing them the the week after was just a little too much for the Brewers uh, I did think about doing the review on Friday on tapping the keg uh, on Twitter saying the Brewers, you know, this should not be allowed. The Braves should not get to play the same team in back-to-back weekends. They're too good for it. And it's credit to their scouting. It's credit to their hitters. But these guys were very comfortable against Brewers pitching after they had seen them a week ago. Would they be at that same comfort level in October? I don't think so. I think they would try to do different things in terms of the mixing with the pitches, trying to, you know, throw these guys off the set pitch guys differently, whether it's Olsen, Ozuna, you have to burn the fucking book because Marcelo Ozuna was terrible really out the gates in the break and then he got red hot against the Brewers. So you're gonna have to figure that out. But I just think that it will look different because of the rotation. There's other reasons too. Brewers could add another bat and we're gonna talk about the deadline here in a second. If they get another bat, 
this Brewers lineup looks different, feels different. You at least have, you know, competent hitters one through six. And that that makes you feel good, right? Brian Anderson also will get back from injury. I understand Brian Anderson, you know, was not necessarily the bell of the ball down the stretch here, but still you get a competent hitter. Robbie Telez, who knows, right? So once you get more offense, Luis Urias might come back up. There, there are a lot of ample opportunities for this Brewers offense to look different. And this Brewers offense, for the first time, maybe all season, cannot is not really on them. They scored, you know, five plus runs in each of the games and they lost at all three. And that's frustrating as fuck, right? That's that's something that we have not seen from the Brewers all season. And still, it, it gives you hope. It at least makes you feel good in a, in a way. And I, I know I try hard not to do moral victories. I end up finding myself in more moral victories because I think I'm an optimistic sports fan. I'm not a doom and gloom fan. So I think I try to see the bright side when I can. And this is another example of it where it's like, all right, our offense looked good against these pitchers. They just, you know, unfortunately their their offense looked a little bit better against our pitchers. And that doesn't typically happen to the Brewers. And it goes back to if the pitching staff was your A pitching staff, would the results be the same? If it was, you know, I know uh, Woodruff and Miley are back, you know, probably next week for Woodruff. Miley's back on Tuesday. Would you would the would the results have been the same this weekend if Burns pitched on Friday, Woodruff on Saturday, Miley on Sunday? I don't think so. I don't even think if Frey Peralta pitched one of these games, it would it would be a little different. I know Freddie struggled a bit against the Braves, but who knows, right? Maybe maybe it would have been a little more comfortable after his great start against Cincinnati. We'll see what happens uh, against Washington on Monday. But yeah, I, I just think the Brewers would look different, you know, obviously with another bat and some of the guys they are going to get back. Jackson Trio and Tyler Black could be up for the Brewers. Uh, you never know, right? Uh, Jackson Trio keeps launching bombs in double A. He's been incredible. Uh, I would expect the Brewers are going to make some moves and I wouldn't be surprised if Jackson Trio's in triple A. Uh, by August, and I would not be surprised if Jackson Trio is in the big leagues uh, by by September. And I think it's starting to become more real because the guy is just on another fucking level at 19. And it it's getting to the point now where I, I know they have a star on their hands. I don't think I know. Like, this isn't normal. Okay, and I, I know some people, Mitch mostly, want to downplay the Jackson Trio happening, but it's it's a fucking legitimate thing, and he is really, really good. This is there is a chance, and this is where I still hesitate because injuries can happen. Baseball is not a one man sport. It's it's why Otani and Trout have not made the playoffs, you know, in X amount of years. But Jackson Trio has a chance to be the Giannis of baseball for Milwaukee. He His star would be that big. It, it could be bigger than Ryan Braun's. It could be bigger than Prince Fielder's. It could be on that Yount Molitor level. That's, that, that is the level that I could see Jackson Trio at. And it could start this year because he's looking more and more ready. I don't hate the AAA idea after the deadline or two weeks from now and just check in and see, hey, can he handle AAA pitching? Because let's remember, 
he wasn't that great in double A last year, or yeah, double A last year. He got, he got called up, I think, around this time or a little after, and he really struggled down the stretch. He was really not great down the stretch, and he was looked like he was a little bit away. But he sort of graduated from double A pitching, and same with Tyler Black. Tyler Black's been incredible. Uh, you just an unbelievable contact hitter. He also hits a little bit of home runs. He he's exactly kind of what the Brewers need in terms of contact guys getting on base, similar similarly to what Sal Freelich has been providing for the Brewers. So I do think Tyler Black, there is a real chance for him as well. And he's a guy that you can't lose you can't lose sight of. Um, and apparently he's gonna be the one that they that the White Sox want for Eloy. And we're gonna talk about Eloy Jimenez here in a bit. But I, I don't think Tyler Black's going to get moved. I think the foundation pieces of this Milwaukee Brewers team, you know, in the future, the next five years, Jackson Trejo and Tyler Black are very much part of it. And the other part, too, you could see some pitchers up. Uh, you know, Robert Gasser is still doing his thing in AAA. Uh, he, he's a guy that I, I've expected to get, like, the notification that Gasser getting called up. Uh, but they, they haven't pulled the trigger yet. Maybe... If Colin Ray continues to struggle, they they go that route. Or Hauser continues to be a mess, and but you're going to get Woodruff back, so that obviously will take away probably Colin Ray. So that's a question of what do you do with Adrian Hauser, and if Adrian Hauser continues to struggle, is that where Gasser you know steps in, or will you will you be okay you know in terms of your starting starting rotation? You might. I don't. I'm, I'm trying to think what the rotation was. So it'd be Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. Uh, You've Hauser, yeah. So there, there might, there might be. Am I forgetting somebody? Miley, oh Miley, yeah. So yeah, Gasser could have an opportunity. Mizarowski could also have a chance, right? And he could just be a guy out of the bullpen that you seldomly use. You know, they're still Abner Rebay still up. Uh, they the youth movement for the Brewers is certainly coming, and it might come sooner, and that might jolt this team a little bit more. Uh, and that was a big. Big sort of knock I had against them last year. I felt like after the hater trade, they needed to add some of the young guys and they just didn't. And then you heard the Phillies talk about what turned around their season. It was adding the young guys and it added sort of this, you know, surge into the locker room. Um, You know, so I I just, I think that would help in a series against Atlanta. Uh, Having, you know, more bats, better bats, bats that you could rely on more often than not. Uh, I also, you know, this is a weird one. I'll admit to you that this is kind of, could be as bad of an excuse as it gets. The weather won't be as hot. It was in the 90s in Atlanta all weekend. That fucker played like Coors Field. And so when it's playing like Coors Field, and you have one of the best offenses in baseball of the last five years, what do you think is going to happen, right? Uh, so I, I, I think that that at least has to be considered in this series. And you could be like, Charlie, that is the lamest excuse of all time. Fine. That that's okay. But let, like, let's just be clear here. Playing in Atlanta in October is a lot different than late July. So I, I just think that could, that could factor in. Um, and yeah, I, I would not like to play the Braves in the playoffs. I would like to avoid that. But if we have to, that's that's life, right? That's that's how it goes, and we'll just have to see. It's really imperative, though, that the Brewers win the division. I think that's that's the biggest thing to leave you with. And we'll talk about the deadline, so we'll talk a little more Brewers. But it's like you got to win that division so you avoid you know being the four and five seed. 
And right now the Brewers are the four seed, if the, or actually a five seed. So if the playoffs started today, they would be going to San Francisco uh, as they're one behind the San Francisco Giants who won today. So they are in the playoffs. Uh, the Marlins would play the Reds at this point. Reds, Marlins, feel the, feel the fucking noise and the Dodgers and Braves would have buys, but it, it can it can flip like that. Uh, so very interested to see how it all tra- how it all shakes out in the next couple of months. I don't think that this is a spiral for the Brewers now. I don't think this is where the Brewers are going to stop winning games. You know, I, the positive here is you have the Nationals this week. You have the you know Nationals and Pirates this week. Then you have the Rockies and White Sox next week. So it's like you have I think in that stretch. Let's see. Three, seven, 10, 30, you have 13 games. And the Brewers were 13 and 10 in their last 23. I think in that 13 game stretch, you need, what's what's a good record? I think eight and five. Like I, I think anything other, you know, anything lower than eight and five is a disappointment uh, given the teams you're playing. I understand that sometimes, you know, you, you take a, your foot off the gas a little bit and it doesn't work out. And the Brewers have most famously been swept by both the Rockies and the A's this year. So they have to keep that focus. And hopefully they do against Washington starting tomorrow night. Actually, Corbin Burns goes tomorrow, tonight. So you got Burns in, uh, versus Jake Irving. Then Peralta versus Josiah Gray, who's having a really good series for the Nats. And then the day game is Wade Miley against Mackenzie Gore. A little left-hander showdown. Uh, Nationals have eight up left-handers too. So that that might be a little bit of a challenging one for for the Brew Crew. But uh, I th- I hopefully they, they will prevail. All right. Let's stay on the Brewers and move on to the deadline. So the trade deadline's tomorrow. Uh, we actually will not have a podcast on Tuesday. So uh, that will be our day off for the week. Uh, usually we do Wednesday, but since the deadline is Tuesday, we'll react to the deadline. Uh, then Mitch and I will do our normal thing on Thursday. So there you go. There's your schedule update. I'm sure I'll update you at the end of the show as well. And the Brewers, in terms of what they might do at the deadline, you know, there's a lot of smoke around Eloy Jimenez that the Brewers are apparently interested in him. Eloy has a hefty contract still left on his deal. Uh, Eloy has some character concerns. Uh, he's not always the most engaged guy uh, on the field. He also uh, has a lot of injury issues. Uh, he's barely you know, made it to 120. I think my guy Brian on Twitter said he hasn't played 122 games uh, in a season. Uh, so there, there are concerns, right? And But I also think given the concerns, the Brewers can tell Rakan of the White Sox, like, hey, look, we're not giving you one of our top guys. Sox fans apparently think they could get Jackson Trio or Tyler Black for Eloy Jimenez. They're fucking higher than a giraffe's ass. Like that's that's crazy talk. And, but that's I mean that's what that's what happens, right? When you're a selling baseball team, you're like, oh, we can get this guy, this guy, this guy. And I, I don't think the Brewers can, should give up a top five guy for Eloy Jimenez. Like if they give up Eric Brown, who's still a little far away, right? He's in high A. He's probably going to come up in 2025. Like I, I would be mad about that. That would be something that would upset me um, if they gave up Eric, give up Eric Brown. Now they can't trade a guy on the IL, which I didn't know about. Shout out to Twigs who told me that. Uh, so Garrett Mitchell off the table. Uh, but if they traded Joey Weimer, I love Joey Weimer. I think Joey Weimer is awesome for the clubhouse. I think he's a great dude. But if Joey Weimer was part of the deal, I mean, that... 
just how it goes, right? And you you need to get better. And Eloy is certainly one way to do it. And I I definitely think it's a it's a good opportunity uh, for the Brewers to pursue. Uh, it's it's the type of move that would signal signal a bit of all inness um, from the Brewers that I, I don't think we've seen out of them. Uh, I think currently, what's funny, it's both in the AOS, I've seen two teams that have sort of established themselves as the all-in teams at this point. Uh, Texas Rangers uh, getting Jordan Montgomery as well as Max Scherzer uh, this weekend. And then the Los Angeles Angels who got Lucas Giolito, uh, I think, was that Friday or Thursday? It was Thursday. Yeah, it was Thursday right after the podcast. I remember Shai, it was Oh, no, Wednesday. Shit. It's when Mitch and I got done with the podcast. Giolito got traded. Mitch also called that. He was like, he's going to get traded to California, a California team. So two points for Mitch. And then they also got Randall Gerchuk and CJ Cron. Uh, CJ Cron coming back, Crone coming back to the Los Angeles Angels. I, don't, I doubt there'll be like a coming home video for that. But, um, and that's a big loss too for the Brewers because Gerchuk and, or Grichuk, I don't know why I said Gerchuk. Grichuk and uh, Crone were two guys that I think Brewer fans targeted. Uh, Grichuk, great against lefties, so was Crone. So that'll even help the A's more, or Angels more. They're pretty good against lefties, but that'll make them even better. Uh, I guess when trades don't go the Brewers' way or it doesn't end up being a Brewer, I think the at least the solace is that they're going to the AL. So they're not necessarily, you know, going to be involved in the NL playoff hunt. Uh, really the only team that the teams that made moves from the NL with David Robinson going to the Marlins were like, David Robinson wouldn't have been bad as an eighth inning guy for the Brewers. Uh, it didn't take a ton. It was like two lottery tickets uh, from the Marlins system. And then... Uh, Lance Lynn uh, going to the Dodgers. Uh, I have a famous Lance Lynn story. I would tell it here quick on the pod. I was watching Brewers Cardinals um, and I was living with my guy Seth at the time. And Lance Lynn, I think was, he was, he was hitting. Uh, he was on the Cardinals, it was early Lance Lynn. And they just, they couldn't pitch to him. And I forget who was on the mountain for the Brewers, uh, but it was in the NLCS. And I'm yelling, it's Lance Lynn! It's Lance Lynn! Like, how can you not do this? And I, I'm toning my voice down so I don't blow out any, anybody's speakers. I talk loud enough. Uh, but yeah, that, yeah, that's a uh, infamous inside joke uh, for a lot of my buds. But yes, so we haven't seen a ton from the NL. We'll see what happens. Uh, the Brewers could also make a move from Arcana. Uh, that was another rumor. Arcana has not really had a great season. Uh, he's really good against lefties. Uh, he can play a little bit of outfield as well as a little bit of first base. The Brewers love, you know, flexibility there. Um, I, I don't know if you would need him against lefties, I guess, which, which is one thing I did flub up. I think in the, I don't know if I did it in the review. I definitely did it in the review. I don't know if I did it on a podcast. I was like, oh, Santana, you know, is pretty solid against lefties. He's He's okay against lefties. He's actually, his power is more on the left side, you know, when he's hitting righties. Uh, so maybe it's a Canna Santana sort of, maybe it's a Canna Santana platoon or something like that. And and they they look into to that op- option. Maybe it's just to add a little bit more power off your bench, you know, kind of have your fourth outfielder, have a little more, you know, power to him. I know he's had a bad year. Uh, I totally get that. But, you know, change of scenery sometimes works out for the best. Uh, it's definitely, you know, has, we've seen that happen before uh, in baseball. And so, yeah, maybe, 
you know, Mark just needs to uh, move, make a move to the Midwest. We'll, we'll certainly see. But and we'll see if any other deals, you know, get done that directly impact the Brewers. The Reds go out and make a move, right? Uh, the Cubs are deciding not to sell. And I, I think we owe the Cubs a longer conversation. They're playing the Reds this week, which is a huge, like, barometer for them. And I saw Big Cat uh, from Barstool Sports tweet out about, well, you guys are probably all know fucking Big Cat. Uh, he basically said, like, are we sure, like, the Cubs aren't, this isn't fool's gold, like, they've beat three teams, you know, well under 500 in the last week or so. Like, are we sure that this is, like, actually legit? The run differential would tell you, yes, the Cubs are legit. The Cubs are a problem. You should worry about the Cubs. Uh, but the sort of, I think the bullpen, I think their starting pitching is okay at the front. It's good at the front. The back isn't isn't good. It's like a, a bad haircut, right? It's like nice up front, terrible in the back. Or like a girl with no ass. That'd probably be a better, better analogy, right? Like a, a very attractive girl, but she's flat. In the back, uh, that's basically the Cubs in their in their pitching. Their bullpen's as shaky as all get out, uh, except for Azalea. Azalea has become a legit closer for them, but other than that, um, they they really don't have don't have a ton. Uh, and so, I, I think that the Cubs not selling is it's a it could be a good thing for the Brewers because the Cubs you know could well it sucks because you know obviously you lose maybe you know another another couple easy games like those Cubs games at the end of the year the one in uh, late August those become a lot harder uh, for the Brewers than than they would be if you know the Cubs had sold sold everything but the Cubs not necessarily you know mortgaging the future getting the future ready you know, might impede them. It might make them more of a Herb Cole-like team where they're winning 84 games, 83 games, and everyone's like, oh, that's success, right? And, you know, they're kind of stewing in the mediocrity instead of, you know, making that push forward. Um, and, you know, who knows? But maybe this is the motivation that everyone needs to sort of push the Cubs ahead. I do think the Cubs, you know, balled out to kind of try to say, no, we're a good team don't sell. Kind of what the Brewers did last year, you know, and it didn't work. They still traded Josh Hader. Uh, but I, I do I do wonder if that's part of it. I, I think you saw that with the Padres too this weekend where they won, you know, three straight and swept the Rangers who, who've kind of fallen in hard times. And just, I think that was their plea to be like, no, don't move anybody. We still we still have a chance to, you know, turn this around in August and September. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Like I said, no... No pod tomorrow, so no, unless I will say this: if we, if the Brewers make a move, we'll, we'll have a pod. So that's there you go. The Brewers do end up making a move, even if it's Marcana, we'll we'll at least chat chat for a little bit on the pod and and react in the moment versus uh, waiting for Wednesday. All right, let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. So trade day off trading camp on Sunday, uh, Saturday. Jordan Love was balling. Uh, it was 16 for 22, making all the right throws. There was compliments, you know, from the defense, compliments from the offense. Uh, it was Jordan Love's best day of training camp. Now, can't get too excited about that stuff. You can you you can at least feel good about it. You can, it can make you happy, but it's not. You can't get too involved in the, I guess, noise at this point. Uh, every you know every game day there'll be good things, there'll be bad things, and you really can't. Just immediately say, okay, yeah, this is this is going to be great. Count how many Super Bowls we're going to win. You know, count how many wins we're going to get. 
Uh, but it's cool to see that love looks the part. I think let's let's just leave it there. Let's boil it down to that. At least your love looks the part. At least it is not a is not like he's completely out of it, right? Where it's like, wow, love's really struggling. Love, you know, just doesn't seem comfortable. There, there is none of that, and I, and I think that is a good thing going forward. I think that is an encouraging thing going forward. So, but I, we're not here too much to talk about Jordan Love. Uh, and Luke Musgrave, the Packers tight end, did have one, one of the catches on Love uh, near the goal line, uh, which is good to see because Musgrave was having some issues, you know, dropping balls early on. Tucker Craft had to leave uh, with a quad injury. I'm not sure of the status on that on some Saturday, but it got me thinking, just given the slow start for the tight ends, I, I wonder if actually a veteran tight end is more what the Green Bay Packers need than a veteran wide receiver. I think we, for a long time, were banging the drum on they need a veteran wide receiver, they need a veteran wide receiver. Name Jarvis Landry has got brought up a lot. And they just need somebody to be the adult in the room and, and can you can really rely on all of this young talent. And we said that about the wide receivers, but we didn't say it about the tight ends. And seeing the struggles early on just makes you wonder would the Packers be suited with bringing a guy like Mercedes Lewis back? Now, that's something I've seen a lot of Packer Twitter banging on the table for. Um, I know Mercedes Lewis is guys with Aaron Rodgers. He's part of that Rodgers regime, if you will. Uh, Rodgers has not brought him to the Jets for reasons I don't, I don't really know. I don't get how he did not come along the ride, right? Everybody else seemed to get a ticket to the ride except for Mercedes Lewis. I don't know if that's Mercedes Lewis being like, I don't fuck with training camp anymore and I'm just gonna come here in early August, mid-August, and then I'm gonna play. I mean, they have a lot of tight ends. That could be part of it too. Like they have Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzama, Jeremy Ruckert, who I loved, liked at Ohio State. Uh, and and then they have, they drafted a seventh round guy, Zach Kuntz, and Kenny Yoba. Kenny Yoba, I think it's Yoba. Uh, so they got, they got guys. So maybe that's why Mercedes Lewis is on the team. But if Mercedes Lewis does want to come back to Packers, and he, you know, obviously respected Matt LaFleur and really spoke highly of Green Bay, if he wanted to run it back without Rodgers, I'm all in on that idea. I'm fine with that idea to bring Big Dog back. I still think Big Dog has some gas in the tires. I, I air in the tires? That probably better gas in the tires. Who's put gas in the tires? Air, air in the tires. I still think there's some there. I still think he could at least provide not only leadership, you know, mentorship with the young guys, as well as, you know, be a reliable force for this team. Now, he is the best pass catching option. There isn't much available. So it's, in terms of the free agents, it's like Cameron Braid, it's him, Lewis, and it's Richard Rodgers. That's it. That's all. That's really all there is. There's like no tight ends. Adam Shaheen also available, but like Adam Shaheen was all. It was every year. It was like, oh, Adam Shaheen breakout season. Adam Shaheen breakout season. Never, never really happened. Uh, so, like, there are not good options, and that's that happens, right? It's kind of like okay, Jarvis Landry's your best wide receiver option, but Jarvis Landry's been washed in, for like three years now. So. It, I would prefer Lewis over those guys just because I know Lewis. I know what I'm getting out of Lewis. Uh, Cameron Bright, I think by all accounts, great guy. Richard Rogers, good guy, but slow as shit. Um, I, I just don't, I would prefer Lewis if we're, if we're talking, you know, a free agent and that's the route the Packers would go. 
Now, they also have four, four tight ends, right? You have Musgrave, you have Tucker Craft, you have Josiah Naguero, who's probably going to start, as well as Tyler Davis. Now, Tyler Davis is, has been such an interesting one because he, he's been a love child, I feel like, of LaFleur, Brian Gunacous, and they, they just have not you know, let it go with Tyler Davis. And I, I just wonder, like, is this gonna is this the opportunity that Tyler Davis needs? Like, is this where Tyler Davis comes through and it's like all of a sudden it's like Tyler Davis is tied end one, you know, by the last last preseason game. I, I could it could potentially be, right? But if the Packers really realize that, hey, none of these guys are actual starters in the NFL today. Maybe DeGura from a blocking perspective is but no one else is actually a starter and we need to make a move. I did pick out some tradable guys that were kind of third or lower on the depth chart where I was like, okay, you could probably get this guy for a sixth or seventh round pick or you know something pretty minor. Uh, Harrison Bryant, kid from FAU, uh, former fourth round pick. Charlie Kohler, I don't know if the Ravens would give up on him. He was drafted in 2022, but with Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews, I just wonder if he'd be available. Brevin Jordan, uh, complete athlete out of Miami. Uh, Alberto, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. Uh, Dan Arnold. Uh, Tommy Tremble has slipped to, you know, the third tight end in Carolina. I liked him out of Notre Dame. Uh, Jesse James. Charlie Warner was the only guy I had that was number two. First of all, I don't remember Charlie Warner. Like, I was looking at the Niners depth chart, and I'm like, I, I watched a decent amount of Niners games. They're on TV. They play the Packers. Like, fuck Charlie Warner. Like, is he, was he hurt? Did I miss this? He was a uh, sixth-round pick in 2020. If Let me know if I'm, like, alone on this. Did you know Charlie Warner was the second guy? Do you, A, do you know where he went to school? I only knew because I looked Georgia. Uh, so I spoiled that for you. Uh, but it's like, I, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And they, they just drafted two tight ends. So I just wonder, you know, is that guy could be available? But with the Niners and Packers do a deal, I, I'm not sure. But I, I, going back to the overall point is it's just, it, it's a very young room and I know it takes time for rookie tight ends. And I just wonder if the Packers have enough in that room. And I understand, you know, DeGura and Davis, you don't want to give up on those guys, but you know, with me, with Davis more so, maybe it's time, right? Maybe it's time to say, all right, we'll cut you loose and we're going to bring in a veteran to sort of help, you know, kind of establish establish something going on. But with all the reps that Musgrave's getting, uh, all the reps that Tagura's getting, maybe they'll be okay. Maybe maybe they'll ride out this young wave as much as they can. And it's it's something it's something to admire. It's something to be scared about. Uh, we are going to do a thing I think this week about things we're excited about for the Packers and things that, you know, make us nervous um, during, you know, at some point this week. So stay tuned for that topic uh, because that'll be a lot of fun. But I'm, one of the definite things I'm nervous about is just can all, can these young guys do it night in, night out? And can they do it, you know, when the season gets long, right? When we're in week 10, we're in week 12, are they going to still have that juice? Are they still going to have that fire? Are they not going to wear down? That's that's one of the biggest questions I have, you know, with the young talent, and that's why I'm I'm fully into bringing a couple more veterans. So if, whether that's Mercedes Lewis, whether that's a guy like Jarvis Landry on the wide receiver room, whether that's Mason Crosby, 
Uh, Anders Carlson had an awful day on Saturday. So the Crosby rumors have started because Crosby has made no bones about it that he wants to kick again in the NFL this year. So Mason Crosby is just trying to make sure that he like, he just never dies, right? It's like, it's me and like my relationship with Brady Brady Street. Like I, I just probably will never like officially be like, oh, I'm never going to Brady Street. Like even when I get older, even when I have kids, like, I still think that there is at least one Brady night a year. Like, maybe it's a, a celebration. Maybe it's just like, we we just call it Chuck Fest. And it's just, it's a wild night on Brady. And just live it up. And you just do it once a year. And that's, you know, and that's all you get. That's all you get. Or maybe it's a biannual. Who knows? But I, I didn't go to Joe Cats last night. I let, let some guys down. They're like, oh, you're going to go to Joe Cats because I was on Brady Street. I was near Joe Cats. I was outside of Joe Cats. I didn't go inside, though. Uh, which I put me out, not gonna lie. I, I definitely would have went to Joe Katz, uh, we, but I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I had a hell of a, hell of a Saturday with my power going out and I just, I just put drinks in my face. Like I was, I had to get water at one, at, at a hose then. Cause I was like, okay, we are a little too drunk right now. So that was, it's for the better. Uh, because yeah, your boy, your boy like just pulled the ripcord back, which at some point, I got to stop doing, uh, but that's, you know, another story for a, another time. Because it's like, it's not even that you're getting old. It's just like, you can't keep doing it. Like, I've done it like the last, three of the last four weekends. So it's it's just, it's a little much at the, at nearly 35. Like, that. let's, you know, let's be honest there. So uh, let's talk about Marjan Bochamp before, before we ride out. I, I know that sounded like the end of the podcast. Uh, I, it wasn't. Uh, Marjan Bochamp had an awesome pro-am uh, at Jamal at the Craw the Crawlover, I think it's called, uh, in Seattle. It's Jamal Crawford's event. Uh, they pro-ams are a very popular thing you see, you know, in the basketball offseason, you know, Drew League and others, and you know, NBA guys, you know, playing those all the time. Isaiah Thomas, Nate Robinson. Uh, were involved, you know, Seattle Legends and Bochamp being from Yakima, Washington, joined that group and he had 83 points in the Pro-Am and looked awesome doing it. Now, it is just a Pro-Am. The, you know, it's professionals and it's amateurs. That's the, the name Pro-Am, right? So you can't get too hyped about it. You can't, you can't go absolutely nuts for it, but you can at least be encouraged that this is in Marjan's game, that Marjan has something there that it could be special and that there is a skill set that Marjan has that is unique to what the Bucks had on their roster last season. I know Marjan was there, but he was buried on the bench and he has a real opportunity, I think, this year to break out. I think the relationship that he has with Giannis Antetokounmpo I think the com- more comfortable that he will be in year two, right? And I think going from the G League to the NBA, I think might be a bigger leap than going from college. I, I have no I know stats, nothing to really prove that on. I just feel like it's a different ball. Like I think college is a little more rigid, a little more tough. 
And Bochamp, you know, now has some comfort. And it's been a while since he's, you know, been established for at a place for a while. And I definitely think you'll see that this year. I think Adrian Griffin's ability to develop wings, right? Jimmy, The Jimmy Butler story, and you know, and how Jimmy Butler was, you know, basically gives Griffin all the credit for making him into the player he is today. I wonder if that seeps in with Bochamp, right? I know Griffin being a coach, might limit some of that player development being the head coach, that is. Uh, but I, I still think that there there could be more to his game. I think the fact that, you know, he was really handling the ball well, it wasn't just catch and shoot stuff. It was taking it to the lane. It was, you know, a couple different moves. It was not just, you know, the corner threes and just pulling up, right? He was getting buckets in a variety of ways. You have to when you have 83 fucking points in a basketball game. So I, I know it's a pro-am. I know that the haters will just be like, well, you know, it's you know, it's just a just a summer league game. Like you can't get too excited about it. But I think what it is is it's showing you that, that that exists in him. That scoring ability exists. Is he gonna get 83 in an NBA game? No, probably not. Right? I don't think Giannis is gonna get 83 in a fucking game. Okay. But it at least shows you that if he has the confidence and he knows that he can be out there and he deserves to be out there with the players, that he could really shine through. And I think, you know, part of it was not wanting to fuck up last year, where if he screwed up, it was like, okay, you're banished to the the bench. And that's really what happened. And he, you know, stopped being comfortable. And I think that that, to me, is the biggest thing for Bochamp you know, this upcoming season. So it was awesome to see it. It was a really, you know, kind of a good viral moment for the Bucks and a guy that it's not Giannis Antetokounmpo. And not that there's anything wrong with Giannis going viral. You know, he does because he's the best player in basketball. But it's it's nice to see somebody else, you know, sort of get the shine. And maybe, you know, people start to worry, start to think. I, I will say this about Bochamp. I felt like not enough people talked about that in terms of like the Bucks moves and what the Bucks did this offseason. And, you know, I, I saw Mark Spears gave the Bucks like a C minus or whatever. And it, which fine, whatever. Mark Spears, I, I don't really take too seriously. Like that's not a guy that I'm, I'm running to for his takes. Uh, but I think people just forget Bochamp. Like, I, I think they just forget that the Bucks drafted this guy, that he had top 10 talent, that he fell off because of the G League stuff, because of some uncertainties about his shooting. Like, th- this is a really good fucking player and could really help the Bucks next season. And so I, I just, I kind of discredit, you know, people who don't at least know that that's in the Bucks arsenal, that's available for this Bucks team. Because I, I think Champ's going to have a real real role on the Bucks next season. Um, and I think he's going to play, you know, anywhere from, you know, 10 to 20 minutes, you know, a night. And he'll he'll have some games like this. And now again, not 83, but I wouldn't surprise me if, you know, a night that Giannis, Chris, and Drew are resting, Bochamp goes off for 25 and, and wins the game for the Bucks. That would not surprise me next season. So uh, really cool to see again. And yeah, hopefully uh, maybe there'll be some more summer league stuff. It'd be awesome if Giannis played in one of those. I, would it be awesome if Giannis played in like the Drew League? I I think there would be a part of me that'd be scared about his knee. There other part of me that'd be scared that he'd take it too seriously. Like once he's on the court, he's like, "Fuck you! I'm gonna I'm gonna be Giannis." 
I'd also be scared of like the amateur getting in the way and just getting absolutely pulverized by Antetokounmpo. Uh, so, but I, I think obviously it would be awesome uh, if Giannis decided to do that. If he was like, oh, I'm going to play the Drew, Drew League tonight. Uh, I, but I don't know. It, it doesn't to me. It doesn't seem like that interests Antetokounmpo. Um, although if you you know what would happen if you played the Drew League, everybody would be like Giannis to LA. Uh, why I think it could happen next. Um, that would basically be, be the whole thing, and I, it would just that would spiral. Uh, but I, the guy's uh, the guy's a world traveler, man. He was in China for a while. Now he's in Nigeria with his mother. So uh, awesome. Looks like it's been an awesome summer uh, for Antetokounmpo. All right, that does it. We won't be back tomorrow, so no no pod tomorrow. Just a little behind the curtain on that. Uh, I know usually our off day is Wednesday. Uh, I just felt like with the deadline at 3 o'clock on Tuesday, there wasn't really, like, you just, you miss out on stuff, right? So we'll come in fresh on Wednesday. We'll give a reaction of everything that happened. Uh, we'll talk about the Brewers National Series. Then I'll be back with Mitch on Thursday, and then we'll have a Friday pot. So I think... That'll be the schedule. I, I contemplated going Tuesday and then off on Friday. And if I decide, I change last minute, you, you get a surprise podcast. How about that? So there you go. Appreciate all the support. Uh, we will see you guys later. Have a good one. Have a good Monday. Hopefully your Monday starts off on the right foot. Uh, and yeah, talk to you either tomorrow or Wednesday. Take care. Bye.